Hello and welcome to Sunday Messages with Fairmount Friends Church. We're so glad that you are joining us. You can find out more on www.fairmountfriendschurch.org. This time, Pastors Brock Meyer and Andrew Hale give a State of the Union address with a year under their belts after this pastoral transition began. <laughs> the Yankee Doodle Digit. I love it. Oh, man, that is fun. Well, hey, this morning we are going to give you kind of a double barrel uh, this morning with Andrew and I. Jessica, are we still center with this plant? Off a little bit? That was Jessica's job this morning. <laughs> All right. Um, and uh, we're going to basically give kind of a state of the church or state of the union address, if you will. Um, but where are we now? Because we are at a one-year anniversary mark of uh, whenever I took a full-time position outside of the church. And when we hired Andrew, actually it was the end of June for me, and it's the 1st of August for Andrew, and so we're both kind of in this middle time of celebrating a one-year anniversary. And so we want to kind of talk, where are we now that we've, that we've come here? Um, just to kind of tell how we got here after the one year is three years ago, in 2016, I became a chaplain for Colonial Oaks Nursing Home. And as part of my role was my, my focus was more on staff than just on residents. And so I would go to the staff and connect and I would do morning devotionals with their leadership team. And, um, and the thing just kind of grew and grew to where we were providing counseling. We did a retreat with them, um, would, would speak at all staff meetings. And what started happening was the team got really strong, the culture got really good, and, uh, and the rest of the company, which if this is Colonial Oaks, it's managed, there's a management group over it called TLC. TLC saw what we were doing, they said, wow, we wanna do this in the whole company. And they oversee 17 nursing homes, about a half dozen assisted livings, and they said, we want to kind of reproduce this thing in the, in the company created that position and then offered me the position. Um, and so I started in that position a, a little over a year ago. Um, with that came kind of some pros and cons over the course of this last year. A few questions that came out uh, from, the, from the church was, is this Brock's first step out of here? Is the church going to suffer? Who will lead Sunday mornings? Who will lead men's group? Who will lead life groups? Uh, will he still be involved in uh, kind of the runnings of the church? What was all, will all, all of that look like? If this is his part-time job, will it only get part-time attention? Um, what's the effect that this is going to have on the church? All good questions, right? And so we want to address some of these questions here this morning, looking back over the course of a year. I'm going to share some pros and cons of this move that's happened in my personal life. Andrew is going to share some personal pros and cons as it's happened in his life with Jessica making a move here and we're going to wrap with the pros and cons of having two pastors in our church um, what is the benefit and what is not awesome about that setup 
Number one, for me, it's required a massive amount of personal growth and development. It really has required my best self to step up to the plate where perhaps I didn't know um, a whole lot in the marketplace, specifically as it comes to healthcare, and also I know about this much, so don't ask me any healthcare questions. Um, I don't deal at all with healthcare. Mine is mainly on our team and leadership development and culture, um, and just trying to really raise up a great and and uh, and a better staff. So while that hasn't been my primary focus here, it has been outside of here, and so it's required more from me. In Genesis chapter 49, and if you want to flip there, you're more than welcome to, but um, it's on, if you're using our Bibles here, it's on page 39. Um, and in Genesis chapter 39, Jacob is at the end of his life, and he's got 12 sons, and these sons are, are coming up to him, and he's speaking prophetic blessings over their lives. And he, he sits up. It says that Jacob, actually it says Israel. It addresses him as his prophetic name. Israel strengthened himself, and he sat up. And he goes through 11 sons speaking these prophetic words over him, and he comes to the 12th and the final one, Benjamin. And he said this about Benjamin. He said, Benjamin is a ravenous wolf. He devours in the morning, and he divides the spoils in the evening. There's something about Benjamin, I think, that Israel really liked, that, that hunt that was in this man. There was something within him that was different than all of his other brothers. There was this ravenous wolf with inside of him, and, uh, and T.D. Jakes is a pastor, and he points out, he says, notice the time frame on this. He says that he devours in the morning when the day is young, when our lives and our years are maybe young, right? And he says, then he divides the spoils when the day is old, or as the day has gotten longer in time. Devour in the morning, divide the spoils in the evening. Having a full-time job as well as a part-time slash other full-time job at the church has required my best self to come forward. And there's a hunter within me that's not slowing down. And I'll tell you that maybe is this Brock's first step out of here? Surprise! Can't get rid of me that easy. Okay? I'm here. I'm in. There's still a hunter within me. There's still more for God to do, I believe, in us at Fairmount Friends at Fairmount as a community, at Madison Grant as a school system, in our Main Street, in our uh, uh, boards and towns. There's so more to do, and I'll tell you, in, and if I can encourage some of our young bucks, and young bucks are probably 60 and younger, because if you're 60, you still got 35 years ahead of you, all right? Modern medicine's amazing. You still got a long time to go. You still, there's still this hunt within you to devour in the morning to get up and get after it young bucks and if we don't devour in the morning there will be nothing to divide in the evening so the hunter within us i think god is calling more to come up to rise up to double down to work to get after it while the day is young while your days are young and in in the bible it also talks about that the glory of the young man is in his strength the glory of the old man is in his gray hair or in his wisdom. And while we are dumb and young and strong, it's time to go hunt and devour. They'll become a wiser day later. <laughs> Hopefully we can be strong and wise, 
But right now, when we know that we've got the strength, it's time to get after it. I also feel like this, God's call is more than what we're currently experiencing. It was happening in my life. God's call for my life was more than just a title pastor at Fairmount Friends. Even kind of audit your own life. Maybe there's some people sitting out there saying, yeah, I feel like God's call is bigger than what I'm currently doing. Man, there's something that, that, that resonates with eternity, with heaven, more than just making widgets all day. There's something that I'm called a higher purpose to my life. And I had a title of pastor, preacher. Whenever I first met me, I wasn't a preacher. When you met me, I became your pastor. And there's a difference whenever you get a title, many times people say, you are this, therefore you do that. And titles can incarcerate us. They can limit us. You have to do this because this is what the job title says. When God's call carries so much more than maybe just what the job description might say. And so as we worked with M&O and monthly meeting and we just kind of negotiated through what all this would look like, we said the call of God is really big and that it can't be pigeon-toed in just a one place. And so as they trusted me, I trusted them, we worked through this thing to really be bivocational. Can I pastor and still make an impact in the marketplace? God's call is bigger than what you're experiencing, I'm guessing as well. And whenever we kind of submit to titles and traditions, sometimes we forfeit maximizing our calling. And we can't do it. We can't trade one for the other. It's both. God's really big, and so we need to have a vision that's able to incorporate that. Another thing that I've been doing is I've been getting an education on life, work, healthcare, leadership, teams, working with people that don't always love you, I was surprised. I'm like, what? You don't like me? Everybody likes me. Why don't you like me? Getting the middle finger, getting some choice words. I'm like, whoa, okay. Come on, that's the team. There we go, team. All right. I need that ravenous wolf to awaken. Come on, let's get that growl going. I'll tell you, in the church, man, this is just safety. It's just a hot tub, jacuzzi, warm and fuzzy, bubbly love place. And you walk out the doors, and I'm not preaching to anybody, this is the choir. Y'all know it's a different game. And so for me, getting out into the real game has been so much more beneficial to lead different people other than just cute Christians. There's another world out there that also needs Jesus, right? And so when we bust through these walls and say, I'm going to live with you, I'm going to be in it with you, I'm going to work with you, it changes the game in you. Another thing that's been a pro and not only in my life, but I think that you all benefit, is that as I grow in the marketplace, I have more authority to speak on things that maybe I didn't know before. There's a difference between knowledge and authority. You can read a lot of books. You can read, you can read a book on insurance policies, and you can tell me all about insurance policies. You can tell me how to get one, what this claim means, what it covers, and then I come to you and say, hey, can you write up this policy for me? Well, I don't have the authority to write it, I just know about it. And I could sit in church all day and just read good books and have a lot of knowledge, but to speak with authority is different. I'll tell you, I'm still leading our men's group. What I love about our men's group, those are my boys, man. I love our guys. Come on. Oh, love these guys. Ravenous wolves we're raising up, man. 
And I'll tell you, there's something about that whenever you're with those guys, not just to kind of talk about being on the grind and working and doing that sort of stuff, being in it with them, saying, guys, I've been out there working all week too. Now let's come here together and let's wrestle through it as men. How do we become better fathers, husbands, workers, right? All of these things together. Now it's not just I kind of know about it in theory. I'm in it with you in practice. An impact that's made on the lives that are outside of this church. It's kind of cool in Genesis chapter 1, and if you want to use our Bibles here, it's page 1. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 28, it says this. It says the very first commandment in verse 27, he creates Adam, and then he gives the very first commandment in 28, and he says, be fruitful. Multiply yourself throughout the garden throughout your sphere of influence, throughout your piece of the world, be fruitful. Go into the world and to be fruitful. And I'll tell you, maybe our places are all different. Maybe they're limited because we submit under titles or traditions when God has called Adam to reign and to rule, to be fruitful. One of the things that's helpful to be fruitful is to know what your seed is. And there's something within a man, within a woman that's called seed. And as you plant that seed, you become fruitful. For me, I just had to get to know my seed better. What is it that God has put within me that I'm supposed to be planting throughout the community, throughout the church, throughout whatever? A lot of it is just encouraging the body of Christ. It's encouraging people. It's bringing life to those outside. It's pointing people to Jesus. It's being in the game with them, helping them along the way. I'll tell you, my my goal here, let me just say this real quick. There's a difference between your purpose and your platform. My purpose is not healthcare. My purpose is to love people, to point them to Jesus, to have a rocking marriage that people can see and they're drawn into, to have a great family and we can point it all to Jesus that people are saying, I want to be like that. It all points to Jesus. My platform in which I do that is nursing homes. You make widgets. Your goal is not to make widgets. That's not your purpose. Your purpose is to point people to Jesus and you do that by showing up in the shop every day, working hard and pointing people to Jesus along the way. So as my platform has changed, my purpose has not. And the same seed that God has put within me, I'm able to produce fruit outside of just this place. And as God is calling us out, he might be calling you out. Not calling you just to come in, but calling you to be out. A couple cons that can come to my life. You can get stretched too thin. The reality is is that as you are putting in more and more is required, then you have less and less to give. As everybody else might benefit, the ones that suffer can be my own home or my own family. And just being mindful of that has caused me to double down on my own home to where you don't have as much margin or free time to be sloppy with it. It's gotta be incredibly intentional right weariness and fatigue can come in Galatians chapter 6 verse 9 says let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up one of the cool ideas of this for me as I look back um, thinking of, of maybe being a little too thin is uh, Mark Driscoll has a phrase, he's a pastor, he says this, he says, men are, be- or men are like trucks, and they're better when they carry a load. And sometimes we can get into maybe situations 
jobs, titles, I don't know, whatever your situation is, and the load is a little bit light and we're not our best self. When the load gets heavy, the truck can perform better. And I just feel like maybe my better self has come from this and to not get sunk underneath the weariness but to rise up and to see that the harvest is coming. Andrew made a transition in life as well and Andrew's gonna share some of his pros and cons. Well, Jessica and I just got back from a trip out in the New England area. We went out to uh, Niagara Falls was one of the places we went. That's us underneath the falls. I, if you haven't been there and done that, I encourage it. You will be wet. Um, so that was a fun uh, little bit of the trip we took. But we went out to Boston. We went out to Acadia National Park. We went out to uh, Ben and Jerry's Ice Cream Factory. Uh, so we stopped by there, had to stop by there in Vermont. Um, but we had a wonderful trip. And as we were uh, planning for the trip, um, I was remembering that Jessica grew up doing these trips, going on these um, family vacations, and they started out going off in tents. Um, they started down at the bottom of the totem pole, if you will, and um, they slowly transitioned all the way up to what you could call today glamping, uh, glorified camping. So we lived for the week in a travel trailer on the road, and we stayed in that throughout the week. But as we were planning to go, preparing to go, I was nervous. I was not fully ready for what, to, what was to come. I had, my experience of camping had been in the backyard around the fire pit in the backyard, and my dad would carry us in whenever it was raining, that sort of thing. Um, but I was nervous. I wasn't ready. I didn't really know what to expect. I didn't know what was to come. And to, to pair with that is that I was going on a trip with my in-laws for the first time, too. So that was a, a fun thing. Um, so it was good. It was a good week. It was a good week. Um, if they're listening later, that's, it was a good week. Um, but we packed up, we loaded up, and we went on the trip, even though I wasn't fully ready. And the first day was a big push, 15 hours in the car, um, and we, yeah, we went for it. It was a big day, um, and I didn't drive at all. Um, but it was a big, it was a big day. But on the way out there, we're about three or four hours left on our trip, and we blow a tire on the travel trailer. Thankfully, we were able to pull off to the side of the road, and we had a spare to fix it up, so it took about 30 minutes, um, but we got it taken care of, and we got on the road. So instead of it being a, a bad experience, you know, we're stuck for a while, it ends up being a safe, um, honestly cool, fun experience to get to have that as part of the memory book. And so we continue on. We go to stop for a late dinner, end up getting lost in the midst of Albany, New York, and streets with cars on both sides. The travel trailer barely fits through. Um, we don't even end up eating, we just go on and get home, get to our campsite, um, get some rest, right? So we wake up the next morning, we go to Boston, we walk around Boston, we only get like five hours in the city, which is like, can you really see that much in five hours? We saw a lot in five hours. We went on the Freedom Trail, um, for those that don't know what that is, it's a historical um, walk through the town of Boston to see some of the significant um, historical places um, but we leave Boston, we get on the train, we head out, we get on a travel trailer, and we're going down the road, and we blow a second tire. <laughs> and this one is not just a blown tire. We blew the tire, and the part of it that blew off was still wrapping around, wrapping around. It tore out several electrical lines and the gas line, and it was a, a wild moment there. Thankfully, we got off to the side of the road, and we were able to pull over. We had already used our spare and so we had to call um, uh, folks to come bring us a tire. And we had a minimum of 90-minute wait. ended up being about three hours that we were there. 
Um, but in the midst of that, we're waiting. We might as well go ahead and try and fix the electrical and the gas lines. Um, so we get all that, all that shut down, and we get those working on, and we realize we're missing an electrical line. Like, where is that at? So we start looking through the grass. We can't find it. We realize, well, maybe it flipped off while we were driving down the interstate. So we look back. There's something back there in the middle of the interstate. People are driving over it. <laughs> so we walk back there, and it's Jessica's sisters, younger sisters and I, and we didn't tell Jessica this until later, but I volunteered to run out onto the interstate <laughs> to grab the electrical line. I'm here today, so we're glad for that. But uh, I was, as I was prepping to run out there in the middle of the interstate, I'm like, all right, if, if, if I grab it and it doesn't come with me, I'm not trying to jink it, yank it, I'm going to run back, we'll try again. Or if I get out there and I'm not even going to try and look and see if there's cars when I'm out there. I look beforehand. Um, get out there, if there I'm not, it's, you know, those are precious seconds, you got to get there and get back. And I realized it's a lot like running suicides in basketball. You run out, you touch the line, you run back. Um, so we get out there, get it, it's all safe, we get all the electrical hooked up and we're good to go, tires are replaced, and we get to our place of rest that night. And so as I reflect on the past year of working for Fairmount Friends, I begin to summarize the events of the last year to year and a half. So in January 2018, I resigned my job with Western Yearly Meeting, not knowing what was coming next. It wasn't effective until the end of the summer, so we had about six months there, but it was an interesting six months of like, where are we going? What are we doing? Um, thankfully, we were offered jobs here in Fairmount, um, Jessica with Madison Grant as the speech pathologist. And so we bought a house and we moved. Um, we went to a wedding. We started our new jobs. We went to a wedding. We met lots of new people and worked to learn a little bit about what it means to be a pastor. Uh, we went to a wedding. We started trying more vegetables again. That was for myself. Um, we got a puppy, Lucy. There's some pictures there of Lucy. She was very excited for us to get home from the trip, thanks to the Corys for looking after her. And then we went to another wedding. Uh, so when we chose to move to the Fairmount area, similar to the trip we just took out east, I was nervous. I wasn't fully ready. I wasn't prepared. I, I want to experience things before I get there so that I know what I'm going to be doing. And in this situation, when we moved here, I was leaving my family. We were, I was leaving my childhood church. I was leaving what was comfortable. Everything that I knew um, was being left behind, if you will. And then we're going to a new place where it's a small town community. And usually in small towns, you have tight-knit bonds amongst those that live there. And so we weren't sure how long it would take for us to become part of the tight-knit bonds. Um, and so we were, we were nervous about that. We were worried it would be difficult. But what we found was a group of people ready and willing to love us without abandon. And so instead of it being a hardship, instead of it being a, a tough environment like blowing a tire on the interstate, we were welcomed and we were invited in. And Jessica and I have talked consistently over the last year about how we can't imagine being anywhere else right now, that we're glad to be here. And that my favorite part of every week is to walk in on a Sunday morning and to know that I get to walk around and just talk to people, to hear stories, to share laughter with, with you all. And, and that's how it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be a little bit noisy in here before church starts, just to hear what is going on in life. Another thing Jessica and I have reiterated to one another is that God is good all the time. And we couldn't have asked or planned for a seemingly more perfect fits with our job and community. And Fairmount and Fairmount Friends has been a gift and blessing to Jessica 
and I. As Jessica has worked for Madison Grant, I've seen her spread her wings, if you will, um, connecting with children and teenagers in the schools, connecting with church family through meals and through um, board games as well, um, as well as connecting with young families via life group on a regular basis. For myself, I think I've grown as a man and as a husband um, because of our men's group, as Brock talked about, and the relationships I've developed with different folks here at the church and throughout the congregation. And I've also begun to learn what it means to be in ministry full-time. So more so I've learned the work I need to put in still uh, to be more prepared for the future as far as we're interacting with folks um, whenever it comes to counseling, if I end up doing that, that sort of thing. And then I've also been able to seek out opportunities in the school system, whether it's with uh, the high school campus life group, whether it's with the after-school program at Park Elementary with Christ for Life with the children there, as well as connecting with church family, and I look forward to doing more of all of those things and better as we continue to move forward. I've been reminded um, in Genesis chapter 12, it's on page 8 if you want to turn there, um, the story of Abraham. And Abram, he's called Abram at the time he becomes his given name as Abraham later on in his story. But the Lord comes to Abram and says, I have a place that I prepared for you and I want you to go. And he doesn't say which direction to go. He doesn't say when. He just says, I want you to go. And I want you to go now. Well, he says when, I guess. Um, and Abram just does it. He uproots at the age of 70, takes his family, and just goes. He doesn't even know which direction he's going. And he goes. And so I've, I've seen some similarities, it seems, from Abraham's story for Jessica and I in that God said, I want you to go. And we had no idea where. And we're so thankful it's been here. And often when you go places or you uproot yourself and go do something, there might be some uncertainties or low times or frustrations or doubts. And what I've found that I have struggled with most this past year has been loneliness and doubting if I have what it takes to do the job that I've been hired to do. And so regarding the loneliness aspect, of course, Jessica and I are in it together, and of course we have Lucy for a little bit of craziness. And others who have reached out to us throughout the church but I have begun to seek out more folks on a personal level and diving deeper to actually get to know some of you. And I want to continue to take active steps of not secluding myself, whether it's here at the church or at my home, um, but making sure I'm getting time with you all out in your community, in your homes. Um, so if you want to invite us over for a meal, you're welcome to. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, and as far as the doubt, as I've, I've understood, and Brock and I talked about this a couple weeks ago, that I can doubt myself if I have what it takes, or I can recognize that you all hired me believing that I do have what it takes, and I could choose to just believe you. And so I want to continue to choose to believe that you guys hired the right person, um, and not to be, hey, look at me, but to say, I'm gonna, I want to fulfill what you guys see in me. Um, so thank you for hiring Jessica and I, and we're glad to be here. As we look to how this bears weight on the church, um, one of the strongest animals on the planet is a Belgian horse. And a Belgian horse by itself can pull the weight of about 8,000 pounds. And in his book, Dave Ramsey, in his book, Entre Leadership, he talks about whenever you pair that with a second Belgian horse and, and two can pull 32,000 pounds. It's not just that one can pull eight and the other can pull eight. They actually can now pull four times the amount of weight 
if two of them are put together. And if you put four of them together and they're trained all four to walk together, it pulls almost a quarter of a million pounds. Four Belgian horses. All that to say that Andrew and I, whenever you put us together, could pull more weight. That the church is not suffering, that we are healthy in several ways. We are healthy, I believe, theologically. We're sound. We're healthy relationally. We're solid. We're healthy financially. We're good. We've got years of your parents' parents that have invested here and currently having people that steward our resources well. We're healthy. We're good to go. We're healthy with our kids. Isn't it fun whenever you see half of the congregation leave to go to class? That just says that the future is bright. That we've got a long, we're playing for a long game. Not just for today. We're playing for our children. The Bible says in Proverbs that a, that a good man, a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. He thinks generationally. Good men think generationally. We've got generations set up to be taking Fairmount Friends to a whole nother level. There's partnerships that we see in the scripture. The very first partnership is Adam and Eve, we see. We see Moses and Aaron, Moses and Joshua. We see David and Jonathan. We see Jesus partnering with his disciples. We see Paul and Timothy, Paul and Titus. We see these relationships that were guys partnered together. Jesus sends out 70 disciples at one point, and he sends them out two by two. They all had a partner as they were sent out. And Fairmount Friends just got a deeper level of partnership in its two-headed pastoral team. And also Andrew doing a lot more in the outreach with the school system has also got a partner in Scott Shooter. Well, we've got partnership in what's going on with our children as well. Guys, there's good leadership that is here that is happening. Some of the skill set that we've brought on is a guy that's tech savvy. Do not have me work on your computer. Andrew's helped us with a website, getting online messages, the presentations, these PowerPoints, better with our announcements and graphics. He's helped with those sorts of things that, that, uh, that we just maybe didn't have before. Someone who is really able to focus on discipleship efforts. Trust me, my focus is not discipleship. My focus is outside of this place. We've got somebody that's focused in-house. I'm focused on the outhouse, all right? Somebody's got to take care of that outhouse. Somebody's got to take care of the in-house. And that's Andrew. That's why we're calling all of our life groups. That's why we want to, to do more Sunday school classes. That's why we want to really focus on the discipleship efforts. Those are the pros that are going on with this partnership. And one thing that Brock and I have talked about, for he and I specifically, is because of our lack of time together due to Brock's busy schedule, um, Sometimes things fall through the cracks, whether it's some sort of communication piece, whether it's, hey, we want to celebrate this person's birthday, but we don't get it communicated. Um, you know, whatever it might be, there's, there's things that maybe we don't even realize that we've missed as far as communication that tend to fall through the cracks. And so we're working to kind of fill some of those in together to, to recognize maybe we gave partial information, but not the whole story, that sort of thing. So we're working on that um, as I think about that and I think about some of the things when it comes to my role with the church and how maybe the church could benefit, I think of the blind beggar in Luke chapter 18. Um, and you can find that in your pew Bible on page 743. This will be in Luke 18, verses 35 to 42. And the story here is that Jesus is entering the city of Jericho. 
And he's had his ministry going for a while, so he's pretty popular. Folks are making crowds anytime he arrives. They know where he's going. And there's a blind man that hears that Jesus is passing by, and he's been blind since birth. And he cries out, Son of David, have mercy on me. And the people are on him, shh, be quiet, leave him alone. He's, he's going to do something awesome, let him go. And instead of being quiet, he calls out even louder, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stops and he hears him and he has the man brought to him and he asks, what do you want me to do for you? He says, Lord, I want to see. And Jesus responds by saying, receive your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. When all the people saw it, they also praised God. And the reason this man received his his sight, I would suggest, is not because Jesus simply decided to heal him. Yeah, sure, whatever. Uh, it's because Jesus knew that this man's heart was recognizing who Jesus truly was. This man knew that Jesus had the capacity to heal him. He believed in Jesus, and then he did something about it. He didn't just hear and receive. He then did something to take action. He called out to him, and he called out to him even louder after he was shushed and told, don't worry about this Jesus guy. Don't worry about him. Don't bother him. He's busy. He called out all the more. And the key part of the passage for me is actually what happens after he is healed. He immediately follows Jesus, and he praises God. And then when all the people saw what had happened, they too praised God. So I think about Fairmount Friends, I think about that can be our story. That we see Jesus at work in our life, in our home, wherever we're at, and we praise God. And the other people around us, they praise God too. So what would it look like for us as a church? You know, we're sharing things, we're sharing the hardships, we're sharing the excitements in our lives, and we praise God, and the person we're telling that praises God as well. When I think about what I hope for Fairmount Friends, I want to see relationships flourish. I want to see small groups of people pouring into one another. I want to see life groups that are consistently meeting for all ages, intergenerational relationships, events that are getting people together, active committees, pouring out while building internally, looking at what is out-focused, looking at what is in-focused, and to ask, what other ideas do you all have? What are things you see in the community? What are things you see that we can help as a church, as a small group of people, as a large group of people to meet? What can we do to have more of a listening ear to take action in our community? And these may sound like grandeur ideas. You know, we know of this church out in this place, and it's a really big church, and they do all these things super well. Why not Fairmount Friends? Why not us? Why not dream and declare a lofty goal that is attainable? And one that many of you have shared with me over the last year because everything I've said about ideas are not things that come from me. They're things that I've heard from many of you. And Jesus instilled in me a hope that I want to have overflow and I want to praise God. And I hope that that overflows and spills into you as well. And so as someone you've hired as a leader, I want to listen and I want to dream. But I also want to move where Jesus is moving and then praise God for every moment. And I hope that you will do the same. As we get ready to close here, um, how does this apply? What's the takeaway? Number one, it's just good to be in the know. Number two, as Andrew and I both have taken kind of steps of faith into the next whatever God would have in our lives, 
Is there something within you that you're saying, man, I think there's more? God, what would you have for me? In just a moment, Andrew's going to pray a blessing on our church. And you, man, what's that thing? Man, I wish I would have. I really want to start the business that does. Gosh, this thing, I'm just pregnant with this idea to go do. God's been calling me, and I, I live in more fear than I do faith. But I really wish I could, right? On and on and on. And uh, the takeaway is that we as a church are continuing to move forward personally. Where can I say, gosh, God, I want to believe you. I want to go. I want to make a move. Because there is more than what I'm currently experiencing. Andrew's going to pray a blessing for us. Would you all stand? And Andrew will pray a blessing. If you do have more questions on what is going on around here, please do not be afraid to call Andrew. All right, he is your full-time pastor. And if you want to reach me, you can reach me at andrew.hales13 at gmail.com. Andrew, go ahead. Perfect. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you that we get to share a little bit of what's going on in our lives. And hopefully it's something that we are making sure is grounded in you. And God, may this be an encouragement as well as a challenge for us as individuals, for us as leaders, for us as church members and attenders. God, that you are at work and that we get to pursue you and that you are good and that you are faithful. So God, as we think about the next year, God, we, I, I pray a blessing over the people here, those that are not even able to be here with us, but God, that, that we can be, have a, a year of pursuing you, a year of being built up internally so that we're able to continue to pour out, that we're built up internally in order to pour out. And as we go to our homes, as we go to our home situations and our work situations and our life situations, it's not easy. And yet, God, we know that you are good and that you're in it with us. And may we turn to you and point to you and glorify you and praise you in the good and in the bad. Think about our weaknesses, areas where maybe we miscommunicate, areas where we have struggles, areas where maybe we know we could do this or maybe we want to do that. God, show us where those are at and then help us figure out what those could be so that we can point to you even more. And God, as we go, as we live sent out, God, we know that that is a calling you have put on not just people who work in ministry, but on every single person who understands that we have a Savior in your Son. God, may we go from here and spread joy and spread love and spread truth and spread grace and spread that people know that you are good. God, we love you, we thank you, and we praise you. Amen. So we're so glad you were with us today. You can subscribe on iTunes or Spotify or your preferred podcasting app. Be sure to rate us so other people can know about the podcast.